welcome to the first episode of High Stakes, a venture capital podcast by K Street Capital that will be focused on the topics and trends that early stage investors and founders are faced with every day. Uh, I'm Paige Soya, and I'm the managing director of K Street Capital, uh, which is an early stage uh, venture firm in Washington, D.C. We've invested in about 65 companies, um, several of which have become unicorns over the last 10 years. Um, and this episode is about what makes a great founder and how investors can evaluate and diligence founders and founding teams. Um, so each, each of our episodes will showcase perspectives from uh, one of our founders and one of our investors uh, at, at the same time to hopefully provoke an interesting discussion. Um, so today, today we actually have perspectives from uh, one of our investors, Julian Ha, and one of our founders, Ario Nazeri, who's the CEO and founder of uh, CarryRx. So let's do some quick intros and we'll get started. Shall I go first? <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks, go Paige. Hey, thanks, Paige. So, so quick origin story. Uh, native New Yorker, uh, recovering corporate securities lawyer. Um, I've been part of three startups in the financial services space, including a company that became known as Capital IQ, which is now part of um, S&P, Standard & Poor's. Um, I started making angel investments about 20 plus years ago um, when I was with a, a principal with a London-based VC fund. Um, I relocated to the DC area about 16 years ago, and my day job now is a, is a partner with an executive search firm. Uh, where I'm a member of the the CEO and board practice and also lead our firm's global government affairs, corporate affairs, and policy work. Uh, I've been part of K Street Capital since 2016, and through that have built out, a, I think, a pretty robust um, angel investment portfolio, including, full disclosure, CarryRx. Um, <laughs> I, I love this space because, look, every time we, we evaluate an investment proposal, we're, we're getting a sneak peek into the future, right? And it's so energizing to be learning about new ideas and solutions. And frankly, it's really humbling to, to have met some incredibly passionate founders and entrepreneurs. It's, it's really a privilege, actually. Ariel? Thanks. Thanks, Julian. Yeah. Thank you, Julian. So um, my name is Ario Nazeri, uh, co-founder and CEO of Carry RX. Uh, I'm a pharmacist by trade. I went to University of Maryland, Baltimore, graduated and jumped into the pharmacy space in various capacities, pharmacist, pharmacy uh, manager, which is called a pharmacist in charge, um, and then did some business development as well for large pharmacy chains. So um, really, I, I got firsthand experience as a pharmacist at the you know lack of digital infrastructure available for both patients and um, pharmacy teams. And you know I was working for at the time, one of the top three pharmacy chains in the country. Um, and so, you know, I think that experience is what really led to the creation of CarryRx. Um, and, you know, it's something that I think I've always had the desire to start a company. And it was sort of a obvious opportunity when I saw the, the problem and the solution that was in my head. So. CareX was born in 2017 as a on-demand digital pharmacy experience for consumers, delivered to patients' homes same day. In 2020, we pivoted to a B2B to C model where we added a layer of building analytics capabilities for health plans and manufacturers. 
there's an overlay of population management as well as collaboration tools. We provide those to the clinical teams at health plans. Um, and then we arm their patients or enrollees with our mobile pharmacy experience. So that's a quick highlight of what we do at CareRx. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's been a fun ride and I, there's definitely ups and downs when you're a founder. And so I think it segues well into the characteristics you're looking for in a founder and founding team. Thanks, Aria. Yeah, let's talk about um, early indicators of a strong founder. What, what are some sort of like quick, obvious things that you you might look at when you're evaluating a founder? I'm really more speaking to you, Julian, but when we, we, we talk to, I don't know, call it 40 or 50 founders a month, and um, there are some clear indicators for us, especially, um, you know, one being if it's a second time founder, whether or not that that second, that first time was a success or failure. Second time founders just seem to uh, have a, they're able to get from zero to growth a lot faster. I think because they just know what they, what they need to do. Um, and also if they're, um, you know, they don't, they don't have to be a second time founder. We invest in lots of first time founders like, like you, Ario, but there's other stuff we look for um, that's sort of like, upfront and obvious if the if the company that the founder started is in a space where the founder has worked and they have strong domain expertise like you like you do for example um that's sort of a an indicator that it's it's probably a founder that knows what they're doing with this particular company that or being a second time founder or um you know there's other personal track record and work track record related things that tell us if we think the person is a is a good founder, but I think those are sort of some of the really easy, like obvious low hanging, hanging fruit. But I'm, I'm curious what you think, Julian. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so the lens that I kind of view potential investments uh, at this stage has really been heavily influenced, I think, by my day job, right? And, and I, and look, it's not a rocket science conclusion, but the caliber of the talent and the work culture, um, I think is, in my mind, the most influential factor of whether or not a company will be successful or not. I can, and I say that from experience, <laughs> from having been part of the three startups that I was. Um, and I think that's especially true at like early stage startup companies. So and again, in my day job, I'm constantly assessing and evaluating talent, right? To see if it's a fit for the position. And um, so my criteria for green lighting and investment is based on how I think the talent of the founders, the team, um, more so than really any projections or pro formas or estimates at this point, because let's be honest, we, we know that those are probably going to end up being a little bit or way off <laughs> at the end of the day. But I mean, don't get me wrong. It's how they think it through, how they communicate it during the pitch, the analysis, how they you know spec out the market. That's really important. And that's part of how I'm assessing the the effectiveness of, of the founder and, and the team and their agility and their leadership skills. Uh, that's what I'm really listening out for. And, and also referencing, right? Is their ability to pivot and be creative to solve those inevitable challenges, so, some of which will be existential. Um, yeah, so I guess, absolutely. You, you know, my short answer is that, you know, I'm really betting on the jockey more so than the horse at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we always invest at the you know the seed or the Series A stage. Usually, our first check in. So a lot of it really is the horse. It's it's you know 
is the is the jockey and the yeah. horse is going to change you know exactly time and time again so yeah exactly um but there's a lot of other traits we look at too I, those first ones i mentioned are just sort of like really obvious easy you know when we're looking at a at a at a pile of deals and founders you know every week those are things that kind of stick out to us um but there's lots of other, I think, important traits. And I'll just give one other example. And then I'll maybe, Aria, feel free to weigh in on this, your thoughts, just having been, I'll, I'll say one of our one of our more successful founders who we've worked with for, I don't know how long now, five five years since we first invested? Yeah, I think um, it was uh, 2018, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And we've invested several times and you've had your own pivots as well. And it's just been mm -hmm. a really in interesting journey, but we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, so another, another important trait to us is sort of like salesmanship and storytelling. And I would say that because when you're pitching an investor, you, you know, like obviously we're not looking at just the, the pitch and the, the sale of the pitch. We're looking at the whole, all of it. But in order for an investor to be excited about it, they want to see that you're passionate about it and that you're passionate about what you're building and, and that you have a, a strong vision and you can tell that story in a way that is logical and makes sense. Um, and, and we want to see that because not only are you pitching to just us as investors, but you're going to pitch to your team to get them inspired to work behind you because startups are very difficult. And you also have to pitch to your customers, right? Especially when you're getting your first customers in an early stage company and you don't have a lot of track record, um, they have to kind of believe in that story. So we, we really, that's a trait that we sort of, we value very strongly at this stage. Yeah. But yeah, I'm curious what you think, Aria. Uh, you know, I was gonna say, I was talking to an advisor actually just the other day and I told him, you know, like, you, you know, I, I don't know if I'm the best salesman in the world because, you know, I don't try to sell, I try to be just brutally honest and transparent. I think that's <laughs> served me well um, and even, when talking to investors or potential partners, I think it's just about being transparent and when you're working with partners, um, solving problems. But I think his response was right. He's like, look, I think at the end of the day, you're passionate about what you're doing. So I think when you're talking to a founder, it'll be evident if they're passionate about what they're working on. Um, and, you know, I think moving on to other points, like, right, if you want someone to commit to uh, a project long term, you know, passion is important, right? So, um, passion, I think, will, will get you to work your way forward, bringing on team members that can share in that passion and so forth. Um, but, but that's always, I think, been something that's important and served us well um, as we built ARX. And I think, Ari, you, you touched on it before, which is, you know, sort of leadership, right? I mean, you are not only build, not only building a product, an idea, but you're, you have to have a team that's going to buy into that vision. Um, and again, I, I think being a, a leader of talent is a, a critical skill set that you know certainly as an investor i look out for uh when i evaluate the potential now again i'm not saying this person needs to be everything because that's going to be rare but at certain points in time they need to be a good salesperson to recruit the right team so that they can you know find the right folks to build something out to to go to market to do whatever right and then you know maybe they'll shift into another role but um I think again, not not rocket science, but leadership of, of talent and and motivation and like you said, Paige, sales, salesmanship. Um, I think are are important traits uh, for founders of early stage companies. And one thing I'll also add in Paige, kind of circling back to the uh, second time founder um, example. Um, you know, throughout these last five years, as I've been building CarrierX, 
I'm always thinking of new business ideas. Like it's something I just do. Like always, I'm always thinking of new opportunities. <laughs> um, and not that I'm going to jump to them, but it's just something I do to index um, my thoughts. And you know, one thing I'll say is that I think a second-time founder also will know what businesses are worth pursuing and what businesses are not worth pursuing from a go-to-market mm-hmm. perspective. Um, you know, I think if I go and review that list of business ideas I jot down, I think I'll probably end up ruling out 90% of them because, you know, the juice just isn't worth the squeeze or the go-to-market will be too challenging or they're not as scalable. Um, I think those are thoughts you have more so as a second-time founder. I kind of feel like a second-time founder now, actually, to be honest with you, because we kind of <laughs> pivot and um, added on that B2B-C layer, which was a big jump um, just because there was more product being built. But, um, you know, more thought goes into the go-to-market as opposed to just the product when you're a first-time founder. Yeah, I think you definitely think about things differently the second time around or in your case, if you've made a pivot and sort of like had to rebuild and rethink about, um, you know, why you're doing that and how it's going to work exactly and how the market's going to accept it Um, because you know the market, you've been in it, you know, doing it, selling to it and, and, and knowing what works and what doesn't already for a few years. Because when did you start CarrierX? So, you know, we officially launched in 2017, but we started building it in 2016. So it did take some time to get off the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're dealing with pharmacy and, and you know, the, it's more of a regulated space. So there were barriers to getting started that, you know, with that initial pharmacy location, including licensing, contracts, et cetera. So it took a little while to get off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I would just say is like that we look for is energy level because, um, you know, we want to make sure the founder can, you know, even if they're passionate, that they can be passionate for a long period of time because these things take, they do take a long time to get right. And they do require pivots along the way. And only only really the best founders are able to, to mentally sort of like make that switch and, and make those connections when they've already sort of maybe dug in on a, on a different, concept um to be able to make those changes and and make those tough decisions is something we look out for and someone that just really has the energy to be able to do that even though it feels maybe like starting over like i don't know if if it felt like starting over to you when you made that pivot but um you know sometimes it takes it takes seven to nine ten or even longer years for a company to get to um an exit or to get to an ipo and and we want to make sure that the founders um, are, are passionate enough and have enough energy to, to do it that whole time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it, I think we, we all knew we were in it for the long haul. And so, um, you know, uh, that, that was a mindset was to be ready. Well, I'll also say, I think another thing that's important to us is, um, you know, we don't expect founders to be perfect or to know everything. And I think to your point, Julian, like we really want the founder to be able to, to have, just have the ability to articulate answers to a broad spectrum of questions, um, just to know that they've sort of like thought through their whole business and they really know, they really like sort of like done the time and spent the time to do that. But we don't expect them to be perfect. And, um, you know, it's kind of important for us. We ask founders, you know, where, where do they feel like they are not as strong and what gaps do they really need to fill with their team? And are they aware of that? And, or are they open to being aware of that, even if they don't necessarily think it, you know, kind of from day one? Yeah, yeah, I think I think, you know, being self-aware as a founder and, and being humble, but you know, and transparent, I mean, you know, knowing what you don't know, I think is really important and being able to share that authentically with 
with uh, with investors, I think will will serve them well because, again, if, if someone comes in and says, "Hey, I've got all the answers," you know, I, my my skepticism goes way up. <laughs> Whereas if they say, "Look, you know, we've 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 been spending a lot of time, we've been do, doing the research. Here's what we found. We think there's a great opportunity. Here's why." And you know, and they walk us through kind of their logic and their thinking, and we pressure test it. And they're not defensive. They're, you know, they've got all the the answers, or at least uh, you know, kind of walk us through how they got to this uh, conclusion. I think that that, in my mind, is is what what you know we're, we're, I'm looking for. And I think um, you know, it's a partnership, right? Like you said, Paige. I mean, it's it's a potentially a ten year marriage, right, or longer, right. Uh, maybe, maybe shorter, hopefully. Right. But um, you know, and and you've got a and I think, you know, a lot of founders have found, especially working with, with K Street, I mean, that, um, you know, we really do try to add value, right? And, and try to be helpful and, and, and not, not get in your way, but, or your business, but, but, you know, if there's an introduction we can make, or if you're hiring for a certain role, you know, we, we try to send it, send it your way because that's, that's our value add, right? We're trying to be helpful. Smart. Exactly. And so, you know, someone coming in and saying, Hey, I don't have all the answers is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for help here and there. I think that's that's the, the sort of a beginning of a good good relationship, good partnership. Yeah, I mean, I would I would double click on some of that and say to me, you know, if I was evaluating an investment um, or founder, um, ego is a big part of that. And Julian, you mentioned that, and I'll just say that I think it's very very important, right? Um, you know there. I think you're always looking for someone who's more more focused on company success and personal success or personal ambition or notoriety or whatever it is. So um, being able to be humble, take feedback, listen, um, and really just make adjustments as needed. I think I think that's super important. So um, so yeah, I, I would say I would put that at the top of the list of traits to look for. And a founder. Yeah. Okay. I've got a slightly controversial question to ask you guys. I um, am curious what you think about founder. You know, there's sort of this paradigm shift happening right now where I think a lot of investors were investing in founders who were very visionary, very growth oriented, almost growth at all costs type mindset, which is a very different mindset from, um, you know, a founder who is right from the very beginning, looking at their unit economics and thinking about how they'll get to profitability and sort of like thinking about that before pouring a bunch of cash into um, the sort of like the growth mindset when you don't necessarily know, you know, what the what the end goal of the business is going to be and where that where that profit's going to come from. I think there's a shift happening where where investors are now we're looking for these these founders with this sort of like visionary mindset more so than um, sort of like the operational execution, um, you know, focused very heavily on cash and understanding their their economics and their metrics very well. Um, and they're sort of like shifting over to looking for founders like that. But both types of founders can be good in, in different scenarios. So, um, and, and I won't share my opinion first, but I'm curious what you guys think. You want to go first? Uh, okay, I'll go first. Um, I, 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 again, Hopefully it's, it's, you know, this sort of goes into the ability to, to be agile and pivot, right? You know, so, so if the, if, if we're going through somewhat challenging financial times uh, where, where cash is, is precious and needs to be, you know, spent very wisely and judiciously, 
um, you know, we want to make sure that that founder CEO is not going to just take our, our funds and, and just blow it all right. <laughs> and, 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 and go for broke. Um, that said, you know, ho hopefully there's a, there's other members on the team that, you know, will, will balance everything out. Right. Cause you do need someone who has the vision, who can articulate like why actually now is the best time I'm starting this company. Right. Because I can get really good talent. I can get, um, you know, whatever good services, good space, whatever I need to, to build this out because there's a bit of, you know, sort of uh, availability or, or, or price compression or whatnot. So, Hey, th this is why I'm doing it now, as opposed to, uh, you know, a year ago or, 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 you know, why I'm not, not holding off. Um, but yes, you do want someone who has a sense of commerciality, who's going to be strong operationally, uh, and be able to to watch the, the the bottom line, so that you know the company just doesn't run out of cash, even though it's a great idea. So no money, no mission, right? Um, anyway, that, yeah. that's kind of my my quick thought there, Ario. Well, I'll just say, yeah. All right, and before you before you jump in, I'll just say, Julian, like I can remember, you know, even you and I in the past few years, there's been companies we've seen pitch and we've we've looked at at, at these companies and been like, you know, why aren't they going bigger? Like, why aren't they raising more money? Why aren't they trying to do this faster? And I think that's a different, um, you know, versus the like, oh, I want to go a little bit slower and spend a little bit less. And even with Carry RX, you know, I'll let you speak for yourself, but I think that may have been, there There may have been some times where that was a conversation that we had early on, you know, a few years back, but, you know, before you pivoted to the other model, which I just, uh, I'll stop there and you can share your opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there were times when we thought maybe we're not moving fast enough and should raise more money. And in retrospect, I'm glad we didn't because of the, you know, these, this could be a long conversation, but the you know characteristics of our space, um, you know, they didn't lend themselves to be an environment where it was easy to scale a company quickly because of unit you know, economics. But um, I, I think that you can kind of going back to the characteristics, I think you can be in kind of a a leader with humility that moves fast. I think that, I don't think, you know, you, you can be one or the other or have to be one or the other. I think you can definitely be both. And, um, and I think in, in often cases, it's great when you have a combination of accelerators and visionaries and so forth. And I'll kind of, and I'll actually do a shout out to, uh, to kinetic ventures page. Um, and yeah. their tool that they've built, you know, they're one of our other, investors and um you know they're very kind of data driven in their investments and they use a personality test to look for combinations of founders and specifically carrier x had a combination of visionary was was what i they have i think they have 22 characteristics and i tested for visionary um one of my partners tested for an accelerator and the third one tested as a operator so it was a good combination of characteristics and traits. Um, so I think it's, you know, you're not, you, you may have a combination of personalities and, um, but at the end of the day, I think you can, you can have an environment where you move quick and still have small egos that allow you to, you know, give each other feedback, maybe yell at each other sometimes and be okay moving forward. Right. And like <laughs> discuss problems very transparently and still accelerate. By the way, I did once worth, I took that kinetics uh founder test at one point and i, I was a 
mean, you guys know this, but I was a founder, had a successful ex exit, nothing crazy, but I took their test and it basically told me I have no business being a founder. I did not <laughs> have the traits <laughs> whatsoever. Um, so, but I, but I was, updated yet. I'm sure you'll test well now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Maybe it's, it's, it's been adjusted, but regardless, I am, um, I'm thinking of a time with CurieRx where I think it was right after maybe the first or the second time we invested in the very early days when you were still B2C. It was very B2C focused. And a lot of the money we invested was supposed to go to marketing. And mm -hmm. a lot of it was digital marketing when the digital marketing world was changing a lot at that time. And I think, you know, at one point we had a conversation where it was like, well, why are you only investing this many dollars in it when you've got tons of cash sitting in the bank and you're just sort of like letting it sit there instead of trying to figure out how to, how to grow with that. And mm -hmm. And I remember what you said because, and it was your co-founder actually, Kevin, who was with you at the time when we were talking about this. And you guys both kind of said like, well, we're not gonna spend the money when we haven't been able to see the metrics that we wanna see from these marketing campaigns. And we still haven't seen them. Like the marketing campaigns you had done so far had, hadn't been yielding the results that were worth the amount of money that they cost. Yeah. And I thought that that was actually a, a, just a great example of a time when you should have done that and realistically like you guys have have pivoted and you know gone through a lot over the last five years and now you're on an, an amazing growth story it, it's been incredible to watch um and you do yeah. move fast when you have the right you know the right direction to get through i think you guys do move fast but you don't you don't move fast in times where it's not it's not clear and it doesn't make sense so kudos to you thank you thank you yeah there's a lot of uncertainty and uh I don't think you just throw cash in a fire just because it's what you're supposed to do. Um, it's okay to say no. And, um, you know, interesting enough, we actually do very, very small amounts of marketing now. I think we only spend $3,000 a month in AdWords. Yeah. About it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And, and revenue is poised to growth like 20x this year, whatever it is. So it's, you know, I don't think it's always about. <laughs> You know, just marketing because you have to. But when you find product market fit, oftentimes it'll solve itself. So it's all through word of mouth now, or is it referral? How do you how do you how do you <laughs> explain the the growth? Yeah, we're getting a lot of um, inbound leads from AdWords and just SEO. I think is is leading to a lot of it as well. And um, you know, it's been mostly also uh, there has been some word of mouth play there as well, like referrals. Um, not to say we won't ever increase our marketing budget because I think we're getting to the point where we'd like to do that soon. Um, but it's been really just a lot of inbound leads and, and, uh, we've been fortunate there. And I imagine a lot of customers, right? That, that, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. I want to switch over a little bit to talking about how we evaluate and diligence founders because I think this is interesting, especially having you on the call, Ario, because for us at K Street, like we have um, just an enormous amount of inbound uh, deal flow. And so most of the founders that we talked to were introduced to us from someone that we know. And that automatically, you know, is sort of like, I think, an easier way to, to get to an investor because we, if it's someone that we trust and they trust that person, that we trust their judgment, then that sort of elevates them in our diligence process, but obviously it's not the only thing <laughs> to pay attention to, because then you have situations like, um, uh, well, never mind, I, I won't even go down that road. But point being, like, we usually don't talk, we usually don't work with founders um, that we don't know or that we don't have some connection to in, in some way, either through another investor or, or another founder. 
Um, and in your case, we, Aria, in your case, we didn't have any connection to you actually. We found you because I used your product and I was like, this is amazing. Right. I need to figure out what this is. And it turned out it was this local company that just started, you know, started working in DC. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so I, I wanted to sort of like, Julia, maybe get your feeling about this, but when you think about as an investor, how you diligence a founder or like, because you, you know, just from talking to them and understanding their leadership style, sometimes may or may not be enough. And if it is, if that is what you're doing, you have to spend a lot of time with that person. So like, you know, with Ario, Ario and I spent a ton of time together in the beginning when mm -hmm. we first invested in that company, just to get to know him. We did a lot of in-person stuff. I met the rest of his team. I saw his office. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm curious if there's things that you've done uh, in the past to diligence founders um, that are worth sort of sharing with this group. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll probably take another page from 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 my day job, which which is referencing, right? It's it's really so important, um, and and we take this process very seriously in in search, and I think we should do the same in in, in investing. And you know, we we obviously want to talk to formal references that maybe the founders will will offer up, whether it be customers or previous investors or um, you know customers or other stakeholders. But then, you know, when when we do those calls, I always ask folks, well, um, you know, who, who else should we be speaking with, right? And then, you know, I'll, I'll run those names by by the person. I'm, I'm not trying to uh, go around them, but but if that if that uh, person says no, I'd rather you hold off, and they don't really have a good reason for us not to call them, you know, that's going to be a pretty big red flag, right? So we try to you know go off reference, um, but still be respectful. And then understand if there's a, a reason for, for us, you know, to not not speak to them. But but hopefully, you know, we we do, and we'll hear really good things, and that would give me, you know, more confidence that um, what we're hearing is is you know being validated by others who've worked with this person or work with this team or work with this uh, organization. So that's that's just one thing that um, I'm a I'm a big fan of, which is just very targeted and. Yeah pointed referencing yeah yeah i mean we do that with we do it with two usually at least two investors that have worked with the founder before and at least two customers and we do it for other stuff not just to ask them about the founder but that's part of it and and also sometimes we'll i'll go on linkedin and just find someone that i know that i went to college with or who knows what the connection is that happens to know the founder and i'm doing like a quiet reference check the founder doesn't even know i'm talking to that person right. didn't introduce us or anything and i think that is sort of you know where you get some like true really just you know telling candid um sort of like character references which is really helpful yeah I actually, sorry to cut you off no. i actually had a, a deck uh, come my email from a friend and he asked me to take a look and you know speaking of linkedin the ceo had no linkedin presence at all like zero didn't have an account um two of the people on the team were did not have the company on their linkedin and were located internationally so you know to your point i think linkedin can be a pretty good source of evaluating potential investment yeah that's a red flag exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, going forward, um, Paige, we're, we're probably just going to all ask uh, ChatGPT and Bing, kind of like, you know. I know, right? <laughs> exactly. That, so, well, actually, ChatGPT Chat would be great for this, this other point I was going to make, which is 
we also do online research, like we'll Google the founder and, and we'll look up any, any PR on anything they've done in the past. We also look at Glassdoor reviews. It's a great eye-opening um, thing, if they're, especially if they're a second-time founder. We want to know like what kind of leader they were. Did their employees like them um, or not or why? Uh, and, and, you know, someone should take this idea and run with it because it would be great to just push a button and have ChatGBT do all that research for us. <laughs> That is a good idea is train it with all the different data sources. Yeah. Um, and I guess I would maybe just in the interest of time, I kind of want to move on to like any, any, anything else that you guys want to bring up and red flags, just anecdotes um, of, you know, maybe I'll start with red flags, but we can also throw in examples maybe of times, Julian, where you thought you read the signs right and, and they were wrong or, or you thought you read them wrong and they were actually it was a great founder and he sort of like read it wrong um but a couple of red flags that i'll just share like if the person doesn't um and maybe you disagree with this julian but the person doesn't know their projections or their assumptions around the business that's a huge red flag to me if they tell me that i need to talk to their cfo or a different co-founder about that i don't I feel like the founding person of the company needs to really understand their business extremely well. And that's one of the things. Now I wouldn't expect them, you know, if they're a non-technical founder to know all the answers to technical questions. And I'm not, and I'm not suggesting that I think that the founder should know a P and L inside and out and, 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 and really know all three cash flow, all three financial statements extremely well, but they need to understand what, how they're getting to their end revenue number and how they're projecting that and what is involved in getting there and what assumptions are they making? If they can't answer questions like that, then it just, it's a red flag to me. It's a huge red flag. I mean, totally agree. I mean, that's, you know, the, the, the buck stops with the founder, right? I mean, he or she does have to have a grasp around the, the economics. Again, you know, they could be the visionary, they could be the, the creative, they could be whatnot, um, but they've got to know kind of where, where things are going and, and how they, they see this company in a year, two years, three years. Uh, and, and actually, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, that was probably an example of one of my mistakes, right? You know, I got caught up in this one company, which I think you'll know, Paige, it's sort of in the influencer space. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. should have asked harder questions on the commercial experience of the founders, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, artists and creators are great, but they also have to have, you know, they're building a business and, and we're, we're investing our hard-earned cash and we, we want to make sure we try to <laughs> maximize the chances of some return here. Um, and, uh, you know, we, so if, if they don't have that commercial experience, then I want to make sure that there's someone on the team that can provide that support, that scaffolding to the founders so that they can focus on the yeah. creative stuff, right? But the trains are still kept running on time. Exactly. Yeah. And I'll also say, you know, another red flag to me is if the founder is very defensive, which we have had a few founders like that, um, if they're unwilling to take feedback. I mean, you know, obviously I'm never going to know as much about a business as the founder will you know, as an investor. I'll never know as much as they do, but and nor do I expect them to think I do, but it, you know, when there are areas that might be, you know, when you're a founder, you're looking at everything and you're so close and deep into it, but sometimes uh, an outside perspective can go a long way in helping you see things that you might not otherwise see. And if the founder's not willing to um, sort of be flexible and, 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 and just not be defensive around knowing everything, I, I think if they are defensive about, about sort of knowing everything, that's, that's just a big red flag to me because it makes me think that when they get into 
hard times and mm-hmm. they need to pivot that they're not going to do it and they're not going to take that feedback and they're not going to make that pivot in time and they're going to run out of cash and it's going to be the end of their business. So, um, yeah, there's a company we invested in, Julian, too, uh, also different company than the one you were mentioning before. But I think we made that mistake because it was a founder. Um, it was a founder sort of in, I want to say, like the genetics space. And uh, the founder was incredibly smart and really just um, really seemed confident about about her execution plan, and, but almost like too smart. Like there were things we would ask that that she would just completely brush off as unimportant and unwilling to uh, sort of like take the feedback or even go down the road of, of thinking about talking about those things because they were just not anywhere near as important as the product that she had built and the product would take her to the future. And we kind of fell for it. Like we were like, yeah, the product is good. It, you know, you are having great traction with it. That's, you know, and it was a flag. And we remember we talking, us talking about it at the time, but, um, but we invested anyway. And, and yeah, we were wrong. We totally read the signs wrong. And I think it, we, you know, it sort of taught us just to be diligent about that. And that, 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 that red flag is worth catching. Yep, I think we, we should have trusted our gut there. But again, it's um, we, we've learned and uh, yeah. <laughs> second time investors are, are good, too. <laughs> <laughs> File that under the ego. Yeah. <laughs> one, th- yeah, one thing I'll Great. say is um, I think that comes to uh, comes back to ego. So, you know, I think I think, mm-hmm. I think you're right. Like, if you can trust your gut in those situations that that sometimes can be a good indicator of whether you want to proceed. Absolutely. All right. Was there anything else you, um, that you think is worth sharing? I, you know, we really wanted to choose you for this particular topic because you have evolved a lot as a founder and, and we've sort of had the opportunity to, to see that over the last five years with your company. Um, but I'm curious if you have any other thoughts about, you know, like what would make, what makes a really great founder or founding team? Yeah, I mean, on the founder side, I would say, you know, I think we might have touched on this a little bit, but domain experience is pretty important, um, especially dependent on the industry they're in. Um, you know, if you're looking at a highly regulated industry like healthcare or fintech, something along those lines, um, domain experience can play a very, very important role. And it'll just help avoid any issues down the line. Um you know, I think if you look at healthcare, there's probably plenty of examples. One I talked about recently with someone was Cerebral. And, um, you know, I think we all know that story. And I mean, I could have told you immediately that there's going to be issues very soon, you know, if, you know, I was consulted or advised. And I'm sure they did talk to people who raised some flags. But again, the CEO did not have domain experience. And they went along this path of prescribing Adderall at will. And, you know, of course, mm. there was inevitably issues. So, um, and I'll tell you, someone actually suggested we go down that business model at one point. So, <laughs> like, why don't you just be the best Adderall pharmacy? And I said, there are plenty <laughs> of why we shouldn't do that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, domain experience plays a very important role in highly regulated spaces. Doesn't mean everyone has to have that. Um, doesn't mean it's absolutely necessary, but it certainly will help and in- increase the chance of success. Um, for those specific industries or any regulated industry. Um, but also, I think having great partners, right? Like, I've been fortunate to have really good partners. Um, and I don't really go into conversations with my partners saying, I'm the CEO and this is what I think. Like, it's never like that. It's always a team effort. 
and we always take input from all of our partners and we and we make decisions and um you know i think having smart partners that you, you enjoy working with is crucial to success so um in general i think also as you're building a team if you have a smart founding team and you know it's a priority to hire smart people you'll build a culture that works and that that'll be successful so i think it comes down to surrounding yourself with smart people focusing on what you're doing to drive success and i think i was just mentioning you page i was reading this book good to great so um you know i'm still reviewing stuff i've read in like the first half of the book and um you know at the end of the day it's it's about who you're building building the the you know company with so it's about the who and it's about being the absolute best at what you do and being passionate about it what they call a hedgehog principle um, so you know i think a lot of what we talked about is our characteristics of a level five leader. Now, of course, a lot of these principles were based on publicly traded companies who outperform the market, but I think it holds true for startup founders too. Absolutely. Any last thoughts, Julian? No, I think this has been great. It's been uh, it's been great hearing a little bit more about your your how you know how you started this off area, and it, it's uh, it's just encouraging to hear how it's taking off. So uh, we really enjoyed the opportunity. Thank you for being a part of it, Julian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We spent a lot of time together these last five years. Yeah. I think we'd we'll um, love to have you guys as early investors and um, help guide us. And, you know, we're being able to work with Paige has always helped and helped us succeed. So we're very thankful. Glad to hear that. And thank you for taking the time to be on this episode. Um, I think this will be really helpful for other both, both other investors but and founders too you know thinking about their own business and and right when they first get started it's good to hear some of these uh some of this advice from you so that's a wrap for today's episode thank <laughs> you so much for tuning in and listening to our podcast and you can tune back in in a couple of weeks when we have our next episode thanks